The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Welcome to the Tabernacle. It's Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we want to welcome you, whether you're here live in Buckley or you're watching online or at our Manistee campus. Uh, I have it on good authority that the weather's going to be half decent for about the next 24 hours. So buckle up and enjoy some sunshine. Michigan people, don't get burned now. Don't get burned. Got to protect that skin. The sun comes out for a minute, and we all just turn into lobsters. So... Um, it is a great weekend. Before uh, we get going, if you haven't checked your email in the last 24 hours and you regularly attend our church and you've taken the time to fill out a card and you're not off the grid, Ron Swanson, um, if we do have your email address, you've got what was called a Tabernacle Insider. We dropped it last night and it's reminding us of the annual meeting that is coming up uh, in two weeks. It's on a Sunday night. And before we get started, there's a couple things I want to say about that. This meeting is not just for members. This is for anyone who considers this church to be their church. So being committed to the church, you know, the, you know being a member, that's a high level of commitment. But regular attendance is also a commitment. And we're going to share some things that are important to you and important to our church family. Unity is a big deal. And that's when everyone's on the same page and everyone's understanding what's going on and why things are going on. We report about some things. We do our best not to make it boring. We're going to look back at the last year, what God has done. We've got this amazing highlight video that someone's put together that is, it'll get you, right? And uh, we're not going to show that on Sunday morning. We're going to show that on Sunday night. Um, And then uh, we're also going to look ahead. We've got some changes coming up, some different ways we're going to do things, the direction of where we're going. We're going to announce our new board members, which, by the way, in that tab insider, we have four outstanding board candidates, and uh, you need to check your email so you can learn who they are. By the way, the congregation selected them. Uh, They've been vetted by uh, our board, and now we're presenting them back to you in order to select one of those to fill uh, a role coming up on our board. And so we'll announce that that night. And then on Sunday night at the annual meeting, there is a special gift for everyone who shows up. I'm not going to tell you what the gift is. It's special and it's secret, right? But there is a gift. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. There's really a gift. And it's our attempt to get you to actually do something on a Sunday night. 
And since you're here and you can't go anywhere, I'll just throw this out to you. Back in the day, I had to go to Sunday school on Sunday morning. Then I had to go to church. If it was Haitian church, it was two hours or three hours long. Then we had to go to church on Sunday night. And then we had to go to Wednesday night prayer meeting. And we had to go to youth group and small group. Back in the day. And you guys have it so good. So one little Sunday night out of your life ain't going to kill you, and you get a prize. You're welcome. Okay? So I'm just, I encourage you to be there. It's going to be good times. You know, if, if I had one superpower, if I could have a super, none of this Avengers stuff, if I had a superpower, it would be to get you to come to the annual meeting. Now, I'm going to tell you, Manistee people are going to be here. And so we've made a decision. They're, they're, they're going to drive an hour to be here. If there are more Manistee people over here than the rest of us, we're going to close this place down and we're all moving to Manistee. You think I'm lying? No, I'm just kidding. All right. Seriously. Um, Superpowers. That's what we're talking about today. I've been asking folks uh, between the services last night and today, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? I've had some people tell me flight, strength, Someone said speed. Someone else told me walking. Okay, yeah, I guess it's perspective, right? For some, it's time travel. What would your one superpower be? Well, the reason we're talking about superpowers today is in our spirit series, we're speaking about gifts of the spirit. And according to scripture, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer and the Holy Spirit lives in you, You have a God-given superpower. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter if you're married, divorced, single, want to get married, she won't pay attention to you. You have a gift. Scripture calls them spiritual gifts. And they're superpowers. Because they come from God and he's the supernatural and it's his power, not ours. You have one. Most of us don't know that we have a superpower. Or if we know that we have one, we don't know which one is ours. Or if we do know what our spiritual gift superpower is, we're not using it. So with no further ado, if you have a Bible, I'm encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look at gifts of the Spirit, these so-called superpowers that God gives every Christian. And, and we're just going to work through this chapter. It's a familiar chapter. There's two other chapters in the Bible that speak extensively of spiritual gifts, and I encourage you to study all of them, whether personally or in your group. Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4 are also the other two places. But we're going to focus in on 1 Corinthians 12. We'll get dialed in here. This is what it says. Paul's writing to the church, verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. I don't know about you, but I just like that it says the Spirit gives us special abilities. I just feel like an X-man already. Come on, 10 o'clock. Don't make me work that hard. I don't want you to misunderstand this. Verse 2, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. 
So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's just establishing that if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you're a Christian and you have one of these gifts. Verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Now get this, verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. That brings us to our first point, and that's the definition of a spiritual gift, what I'm calling a superpower to keep us interested. And that's this. A spiritual gift is an ability God gives every believer to help the church. We chose every word in that definition carefully. It's a spiritual gift. It's given by the Spirit to each one of us. So it's an ability. And we'll get to what some of those abilities are. They're not talents. Talents are different. But it's an ability that God gives. I can't give you a spiritual gift. Random prophecy guy who puts up a tent down by the mushroom festival can't lay his hands on you and give you a spiritual gift. God gives it. The Spirit gives it. The Spirit is God. So it's an ability that God gives every believer. Every believer, the moment you become a Christian, is given a gift. And you have at least one. Some might have two. Some might have three. Sometimes you're given a gift for a period of time. And then when you no longer need that gift, you're not using that gift, you don't need that gift anymore. But every believer, it's God-given, and there's a purpose to help the church, to help the body. This is for all of us, man, woman, student, child. You have a gift. You have a superpower. You might have two. Do you know what it is? Do you care? Are you using it? You see, the superpower is not to make you look good. Those are always the bad guys, right, in all the superhero movies. The ones that have superpowers and they're using them to, like, rob a bank. It's like, if you can fly, why are you robbing a bank? Just sell tickets to that. But, you know, that's what bad guys do is they always use their superpowers to serve themselves. The the Spirit of God gives us gifts for a specific reason, and that's to give them away. To serve the church, to serve the body. I've talked to people before when they figure out what their spiritual gift is and then they're like, well, I use my gifts uh, over here at my job. No, that's a talent, bro. That's great. You might have the spiritual gift of making money, which, by the way, is a spiritual gift because it's attached to the spiritual gift of giving. But the gift is used to help the church, not a Fortune 500 company. That's a talent, and that's great. That's fine. God gave you that. But it's to help the body. Now, a spiritual gift is different from a talent. And here's how. A talent is a natural ability or a natural, like the way I was made, included in my genetics, something that I can do well. Some of you can jump high. Some people are very strong. Some are very intelligent. You might be really good in math. Some of you might, you know, sometimes your talent can also be a curse. I think I was born, my mouth was moving, and it'll be moving long after I'm dead, right? So it's a talent and it's a curse. But a talent 
is not a spiritual gift. Now, the Spirit of God might give you a spiritual gift that uses your talent as a vehicle. And oftentimes the Spirit does that. And so some of the gifts that God has given me, he said, you know, for kicks and giggles, let's put it in a guy whose mouth never stops. So the mouth is the vehicle, but the gift is different. We're given our gift, the special ability, the moment we believe. Paul said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy when he said, fan into flame the gift. You may not know what your gift is, but you have a gift. And part of our goal today is to inspire people to figure out what the gift is so you can get after using it. I believe using your spiritual gift to serve the church is vital to your growth and your walk with Christ. There's so many people that don't know what their gifts are or even if they or even what one gift is, let alone use that gift. We got to keep moving. Verse 8. To one person the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So God gives the gifts through his spirit. God distributes the gifts as he sees fit. Paul uses this illustration starting in verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? And I just think that's funny. If the whole body was an eye, you're not, you're not going there with me? Just a big giant eye just rolling down the path, right? It's like a horror movie. Or an ear. What is this, SpongeBob? There's a giant floating ear. I, I see comedy in the Bible. I don't care. I'll just keep going. Okay, verse 18. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. This is what the scripture is telling us, is that there are many different gifts, and each one is vital. There are many different gifts. In fact... Scholars, when they study these lists, which by the way, none of the lists are exact in Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, they're a little bit different. So we know that there's at least 22 different gifts and there may be more. There may be more. 
But there's, there's about 22 that are listed. There are many different gifts. And God distributes them how he wants to within his body, all for a reason and all for a purpose. Each one is vital. Your gift is vital to the body. Do you know what your gift is? Do you know what your gifts are? Are you using them to help the church? It's his body. He's the head. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's his church and our church. Your gift, vital. Vital to the body. Now I mentioned there's at least 22 different types of gifts. And, and you know, it's always funny to hear, you know, the different translations or kind of what they look like. I just want to read them to you just real quick. It, it, it'll just take a second. But we really establish these gifts or kind of categorize these gifts into three different ones because God has a purpose for the different gifts. And remember, they're all vital. The first group is a group that we call establishing gifts. And God uses them really to establish, to plant, and to grow a church. These gifts are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastor teachers, right? God uses those gifts in order to plant churches and grow churches. And there's debate about the gift of apostleship. Is that just for those who saw the risen Lord? Do we have apostles today? Uh, it depends. I think we see some people with a missionary gift, right? And you could say that's evangelism or apostleship. But those gifts, God uses to plant and grow a church. But he also gives supporting gifts. These gifts organize and administrate a church. These are some of my favorite people. Because you can guess which category I'm in and which category I'm not in. I'm not in this category, at least very well. These gifts are the gift of service, of teaching, mercy, encouragement, the gift of giving, the gift of leadership and administration. There's some overlap in those. But we need these gifts. We need these people that can organize and administrate and make sure that we're on the same calendar and that the services start on time and that we have enough coffee and that we're operating safely and, and we're actually, you know, John's not preaching for 14 hours. Is that a dare? Someone said no. <laughs> I hear you. Then there's ministry gifts. And these gifts are for the ongoing ministry of the church. Once the church is planted, it's growing, it's getting organized and administrated, then you need people with the gift of wisdom of knowledge, of faith, of healing. Healing's a gift. Now, it's a rare gift. In fact, I think it's one of the most rare gifts. I've met one person my whole life that a friend of mine, it was actually my friend Adrian Dupre, who preached here before, he said, that guy has the gift of healing. But he said he'll never talk about it, and he lives in India. And one of the things I found out is some of the more glamorous gifts like that, you know, because that would be cool. Who's, who's a faith healer? They're never on television. They're never making money off of it. And they never talk about it. Some people have that gift. Gift of miracles. And we don't even know if that gift still occurs. Was that only for those who had seen the risen Lord? People like Paul, Peter? The gift of prophecy or truth-telling. Helps is a huge ministry gift. 
The gift of tongues. And I'll just say this. We'll talk more about tongues here in a minute. Tongues, most of the time it's spoken of in Scripture, is about known languages. Known languages. Because it says that there are many different gifts. Each one is vital. And it's vital for the help of the church. Most of the times with tongues, it's a known language. In fact, I remember the very first disaster relief team that we ever sent from Haiti is one of my fears in leading that team right after the earthquake was would I remember Haitian Creole? And uh, when I got there, I was surprised to find out that every day more and more of it came back until I just felt completely fluent in leading that team all around Haiti speaking Creole even though I hadn't lived there in 26 years. And when I got home, I was telling my parents about it. I was telling them there was actually a security guard on the way out of Haiti that said to me in Creole, these are his words, not mine. He said, when I close my eyes, you're black. But when I open my eyes, you're a blanc. He was complimenting that. You know, I was telling my parents that. And my mother told me that she had prayed for us every day we were in Haiti. And she said, John, I prayed specifically that you would have the gift of tongues. Interpretation, leadership, discernment. What's the point? There are many different gifts, and each one is vital. And just because a gift isn't super visible doesn't mean it's not important. In fact, Paul goes on to say in verse 21, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each one of you is a part of it. And so Paul is speaking specifically there that sometimes we give more honor to one part and we overlook another part. And he's saying this should not be so. In fact, he seems to say that the parts that we tend to honor aren't as honored by God. That the ones that we think are less dignified or less visible or not as important, those are actually more honored by God. In fact, I've said it before, I want to say it again. The gifts that you see on display in me on a weekend... I have already received all the honor that is due me, if any. God honors the gifts we don't pay attention to. According to verse 24, I've already gotten all the honor I'm going to get for it. I'm getting it. Thank you. Whatever. But it's the people that are answering the phones in the office. It's the people that show up On Mondays, the cleaning team, for no pay, who scrub our toilets to help the body. 
God sees. And God honors. And we're called to honor. It's the person that schedules for the student ministry. Who works at home on her computer. Making sure we have enough ushers and enough security team. You don't see her. God does. Every gift is vital. Every gift is necessary. And the ones that we think are all high and mighty, uh, not in God's eyes. Not with his upside down kingdom. What else I think is passed in those last, or, or, or what he's expressing to us, at least what I read from verses 21 through 27 is this, is that spiritual gifts are not to be weaponized. Spiritual gifts are not to be weaponized. What I mean is when we use a spiritual gift as a weapon, And so we weaponize a spiritual gift when we give too much honor to one gift and not enough to another less visible gift. You've just weaponized the spiritual gift. Don't do that. And we do it all the time because we love to put people on pedestals and people on pedestals seem to get all the attention because we can see them. That's weaponizing a spiritual gift. But there's other ways that we weaponize spiritual gifts in the church and they're very dangerous. One is when we push our gift to the forefront. When we take our gift and we push it out there and we say, this is my gift and I demand to use it because somebody told me I was gifted in this area and here I am, put me in charge of something. And usually at our church, we say, you're in charge of shutting up and sitting down because that's not a heart of humility, right? And you're weaponizing your gift. Your talent and your gift may not always be in the same vehicle, right? So years ago, Pastor Tim was telling me about this girl. I was, uh, I was gone for a summer, and she was, she was sure that her spiritual gift was evangelism through singing. And she wanted to sing and be on the worship team and sing all the time. And closed doors were in her face, and everybody was kind of like, you're nice, thank you. Oh, we'll see if we can get you on the schedule. And she was just causing ruckus and over and over and over. And finally, you know, Tim was getting to the bottom of it because there was a lot of complaints and a lot of phone calls. And, and finally, he was assigned to go speak to this girl, and he said, what's the problem? I have the spiritual gift of this and it's singing and I'm supposed to be out there. And he had to look at this precious little teenager and go, sweetheart, here's the problem. No one wants to listen to you sing because you're not a good singer. She was weaponizing something. She was weaponizing a gift that she didn't even have. And that's what happens when we take gifts and we use them to leverage and get our way some practical examples also of how we weaponize spiritual gifts i spoke to someone last night who was raised in a church where they encouraged everyone to speak in tongues but not known languages unknown heavenly languages and not only that they said if you haven't spoken in tongues you have not received the spirit of god and that is absolutely devastating to the church because it's not biblical it's not biblical Furthermore, she was telling me that typically the services turned into everyone speaking in tongues at once. And and she said, John, I'm going to admit to you that I spoke in tongues. But I'll also admit to you that I was faking it. And I suspected that most people were as well. And so we begin to talk about that. and, and, And that is a spiritual gift that gets weaponized. Now, tongues, let me be clear, are not always known languages. Scripture does seem to imply that there is an unintelligible heavenly language that some people have the gift of, but it says it's for you and God. It's not to help the church. It's for you and God. It's to help you. 
Furthermore, Scripture gives at least five distinct restrictions on how that type of a tongue is ever to be used in church. First of all, you have to know that you're going to speak in that tongue and get it cleared with the church leadership in advance. You don't randomly fall over and start unintelligible language. That's not biblical. It says you must, first of all, set it up. Number two, only one person at a time. Number three, you must secure an interpreter in advance. Then the interpreter must tell the church elders what the person said. And then finally, the church elders have to hold a meeting and come back and tell everybody whether that was the spirit of God or another spirit. Read your Bible. And just about every place I've ever seen something like that happen, they don't do any of those. So I don't know what spirit that was, but if it's not following biblical rules, is it biblical? And that's an example of weaponizing a spiritual gift, something that's intended to be beautiful and it's turned into this, oh, you don't do that, I have that, there must be something wrong with you. And this girl last night is just crying because that was her whole upbringing. Can you imagine? Oh, you don't do this thing? Oh, there's something wrong with you. You should try harder. It's probably because there's sin in your life. That's weaponizing a spiritual gift, pushing it out there. We also weaponize spiritual gifts when we withhold a spiritual gift. Now, we're almost done, so hear me carefully. Remember I said every single one of us has a superpower. Every single one of us has a spiritual gift if you're a Christian. And that your spiritual gift is vital to the body of Christ. If you're not using it, whether you know what it is or not, you don't know it, you're not using it. You're not serving the body of Christ with it. That means you're withholding it. You've just weaponized the spiritual gift. Because it's vital. You're hurting the team. The team's not firing on all... On all cylinders. You know, whenever you see a church that's on fire charging the gates of hell with squirt guns, like the tabernacle for the most part is, it's when people are using their spiritual gifts humbly, they're offering them to others, they're giving them away. How can I help? How can I serve? You can lead worship and have the gift of evangelism and never preach. But God can use your vehicle of talent to point people to Christ, people get saved. You can have the gift of teaching and serve in the parking lot, helping people get to and from their car. But I'm a teacher. That's beneath me. No, it's not. Because if you're a real teacher or a real preacher, you will teach and preach to two or 2,000. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. But what happens is we see the end game And we want to make sure that the job matches the gift. And so we weaponize it and we hold it back. I was talking to a man just uh, this morning who says, I have the gift of giving and of leadership. And he goes, I don't feel like I'm using my leadership gift real well. And I spent time encouraging him, wherever you are serving in the church, just start taking more and more responsibility on. Don't show up and go, I'm a leader, put me in charge of something. No. We find leaders rise to the top because they're humble, they serve, they take responsibility And when they show themselves trustworthy, they're given more responsibility. But don't withhold your spiritual gift. 
We withhold our spiritual gift or we weaponize by withholding when we say, that's not my gift, therefore I don't have to do it. I'm not going to make you raise your hands on that one. But we've heard that one before too. So Kit Potter, our church, uh, he's our treasurer, even though he's the campus pastor of Manistee, he's still on the board as the treasurer. And he uh, drew our leadership team to some giving numbers. And the giving of a church is like, uh, it's like looking at the dashboard. When people mature in their faith, giving increases. Because we realize how generous God has been with us, so we want to respond with generosity. We also want to follow his word, which tells all of us that on the first day of every week, we're supposed to set aside a gift in keeping with our income. We call it a tithe. For most people, it's 10%-ish. Some, a few percentage more. Some people don't, you know, I have faith for five, whatever that is. But all of us are called to do that. And that's just like the little dashboard of how we're doing. And our church has been doing really, really, really well for a couple years now. But he said something happened in May. It just went... Did you catch that? Now, don't worry. We're not on fire. We're fine. I don't know if everyone left... I don't know if uh, uh, everyone's, you know, have a really super graduation party. I don't know what's going on. What does this relate to gifts? Is sometimes we'll say, well, you know, John, it says in Romans 12 that some people have the gift of giving. Well, I'm a selfish person and I'm kind of greedy and I have a lot of bills. That's not my gift, so I'm not going to give. Plus, I'm not a member and I don't want your gift at the annual meeting, blah, 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 right? We just weaponize spiritual gifts. Even if giving is not your gift, it doesn't mean you're exempt from giving. If evangelism is not your gift, you're not exempt from a moment when God asks you to open your mouth and speak, declaring your faith to someone that has no faith. That's how we weaponize gifts too. That's just like saying, it's not my job. I'm going to tell you, I've been a pastor for 15 years. And that's probably the worst thing I could ever hear come out of a staff member's mouth. And they know it. We have an awesome staff. They don't say that. They all wear multiple hats. But you know what I'm talking about. When you have that employee or you are that employee that goes, that's not my job, not my job description. I'm staying over here. The restaurant's on fire. Well, I'm no fireman. (laughs) Not a good team player. You've just weaponized your job description. I was talking to a football player last night, giant guy, probably the biggest guy in our church. He was a lineman. And I asked him, because he was in the offensive line, and their duty is to you know, block for the running backs and for the quarterback, and you have the center in the middle, he snaps the ball, and then you have uh, uh, the two tackles, if I got that right, and then the guards, I think. No, the guards and then the tackles. Shut up, I played soccer. Whatever. I, I just said to him as I said, hey, bro, which one is the most important? Which is the one that a guy like me watching a college or pro football game, you know, which one should I be watching? You know what he said to me? He said, John, all of them. They're all important. One of those five doesn't do his job is the only time you'll ever notice him. Because he didn't show up. He blew the block. Quarterback got sacked. Running back didn't make it through the line. But he says, but when a team's doing well, that offensive line, everyone's doing their job. Everyone's breaking holes open. It's the same thing with the church. 
And when you withhold your gift, you've weaponized it, it hurts the team. It hurts the team. So what's the point of everything we're driving at? What's the big idea? Well, we all have this special ability that's God-given. And it comes the moment we believe. And this gift is vital. It's vital to the team. And the encouragement of Scripture, all that talk that Paul had about honors, don't weaponize your gift. Don't shove it out there and demand with it. We hold it with humility. And don't withhold it either. Give it away. So the big point is this. Church, if you don't know your gift, you need to find your gift and give it away. Find your gift and give it away. You have a gift if you're a Christian. Find your gift and give it away. Now, maybe you say, well, I know what my gift is, but I haven't been giving it away. Well, you need to go find it and bring it to the master. It's vital to the body, his body, the body of Christ, the church, his bride. We want to help you. Here at the close of our service, we're going to take our offering. And uh, um, you've heard us talk about the card. And so while the band's coming, I, I just want to share how we can help you find your gift. If you don't know what your gift is, here's a quick rundown of how to find it. Number one, you need to pray and ask God to show you. You need to ask God's spirit to show you. Number two, I think it's important to dive into some of those scriptures and start looking at the spiritual gift list and ask God's spirit, oh, which one of those sound like me and which one makes my heart just kind of jump just a little bit. Oh, I think I might have that one. Or you might look at the list and say, I don't have any of those. Now you might be thinking that, oh, maybe I should take a spiritual gift test. I, there's a purpose for spiritual gift tests, but I'm, I don't want to send you there at the beginning. We, we even have one on our website, but I'm, I'm not the biggest fan. And I'll tell you why. Because I've taken multiple spiritual gift tests and I can make them say whatever I want them to say. We think the best way is asking God, searching his word. It's the people around you in the body that are going to be able to help tell you or affirm what your gift is. Some of you won't find your gift for that very reason because you haven't gotten plugged in. You're still keeping the church and the body at arm's length. But if you're in a fight club, if you're in a women's study, if you're in a tab group, if you're serving on a team like this, ask somebody, hey, what do you think my gift is? Or, hey, I think this might be gift. What do you think? Ask your spouse. Ooh, that could be dangerous. <laughs> or it could be awesome. But we want to help you find your gift. If you don't know what your gift is, I'm going to encourage you to put your name on a card and say, I need help finding my gift. Sometimes the best way to find your gift is to get involved serving because then you're in community and people around you are telling you what your gift is. But would you bow your heads with me? And if you're filling out one of those cards, it's okay if you're peeking with a pen. That's cool because we're serious. We have teams in Manistee and in Buckley that are prepared this week to help get you on the journey to find your gift so you can give it away. God, thank you that you're the only God and you're a gift-giving God. You're a generous God. And God, as we take our offering in these moments, I pray that you would help us regardless of whether or not we have the gift of giving to be generous with you because it's what you've asked from us. God, I thank you for those people who have the gift to give over and above. 
God, I thank you for those who have the gift of helping and serving, of leading, of administration. God, you've put us where you want us. God, would you help us to figure out what our gifts are? And God, would you help us to give them away, to not keep them from ourselves, to not weaponize them, to realize that because you gave them, they're vital to this body. So Lord, I believe there are men and women and students even now that need to take a risk and start this journey. All of it, God, is for your glory. And God, I pray that we would keep gifts there in that perspective. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.